Corporate Unplugged opens the door to a world of people evolving business. They share their dreams, their experiences, and what they would never give up. Hey everybody, this is Vesna Luca and you are listening to the Corporate Unplugged podcast. On the show today, Eda Charmakla. Eda is a utopian and co-founder of the global collaborative platform Joint Idea. And she's also a second-generation shareholder in Neural Holding, an industrial conglomerate in Turkey operating in construction, energy, investment banking and tourism. And today we'll talk about the hurdles life presents us so that we can become what we were meant to be. So Eda, welcome to my podcast. Thank you, Esna. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I'm grateful that you're here and I'm also immensely grateful that you are part of my Corporate Unplugged Forum, a group that I really consider as my extended family. It's not your family only, they became our family, so we thank you for including us into this beautiful family. Fantastic. I typically love to kick off with a question around what is your passion because I think that reveals a lot about who the person is. So Ida, what is your passion, that thing that you're also willing to suffer for if needed? Well, Vesna, I thought about this and it might sound a little selfish, but honestly, my biggest passion is myself to realize my potential in this life, in this body, in the story that I was born into. There is a wonderful word in Sufism that is called tekamul. So it's about evolution. Every hurdle, everything that happens in our lives are there to teach us to grow, to become a bigger version of ourselves. So I work on myself a lot to become the best version I can be so that I can be a good mother, I can be a good addition to my company and good addition to the world itself. So yeah, it might sound a little selfish like I said. Actually, when you think about it, it's really a beautiful perspective that is not so common, which is if I work on myself, I will be able to give the best of myself. So it's actually not ego. And I was reading uh, some time ago one of your um, blog articles in Believer in Life blog, and it says it's never too late to become what you might have been. So where are you on this journey? Well, I'm still growing. I'm still learning what I can become. And it's wonderful that until the last breath, we have the opportunity to reinvest ourselves, re-find or um, wake up from our ashes rebirth to the new version of ourselves. And I'm in a very content space, I'm not going to lie, but I'm also curious uh, what other parts that I have not discovered that wants to come alive through me. And uh, like for the younger generation, I think it's very important, and especially if they're a shareholder like I am, and feel the burden of the story that they have to carry, to find your unique voice, what you can possibly become so that you can truly contribute to the story that is bestowed upon you is very essential. Life challenges, we all know in a way, or maybe opportunities for us to grow, but still is difficult. How do you embrace vulnerabilities and, and transform them into strengths? What have you learned so far? In David Hawkins, Map of Consciousness is a wonderful template for all of us to see where we vibrate, I think. He talks about two breaking points. One of them is courage, courage to take in what life has thrown to us. And the second one is acceptance. After acceptance, the highest frequencies we can start to vibrate. I think the most important thing to embrace what has come is to accept it. We cannot change it. It is there. I hate when, you know, our kids get sick in our younger ages. Our, you know, mothers would say, oh, she was playing outside and that's why she got cold or did he drink a cold water? And for me, it's like when it happens, it already happened. There is no reason to talk about why. But how, what we do, do we learn from it? 
and take out from it and move to the future. So the contemplation about the past the options, why and how and blah, blah, that doesn't serve me. And I think that's the way that I have the courage or they have the ability to cope up with it because it's already happened. So if it's there, there is a story that is it's teaching us. There is this wonderful story that I have lived with your permission. I want to give this as an example. If yoga teachers in Turkey went through this huge accident where, you know, she, a car hit her and she hit her head and she was hospitalized for months. When she came out, a bigger version of Zeynep came out. I was so delighted to see that, though she was a yoga teacher for many years, believed what she was talking about. But suddenly she embodied the knowledge. And the first phrase that she said was, Hadi bakalım. It's like, hmm, this came to my life. Let's see what life will bring after this. So being open, because we're all going to die this way or another. At the end of the day, between those two breaths, how we live and grow is the most essential part of the story. So true. You describe yourself as um, a utopian. And I'm just curious, what is the future that you wish to see? let's say in 10 years or so, how does it look there? And how does it feel like there? And, you know, who's there and what's happening? Well, I hope everyone is there. I would like to see one human race, that realization to be active and that the borders between countries are just lines on a map, that we operate beyond that. And a huge collaboration is happening all around the world. I would love to see the value of money change and that the value becomes our vibration, the beauty that we bring into the world, not only the monetary value into the life itself. And religion to shift and change into beliefs, maybe, that we all believe in the same thing under the umbrella of different names. All these barriers in between people and nations and understanding to dissolve. The utopia for me is that. And that we start to work with the earth itself and contribute to earth and to ourselves. So it's a very utopic thing, I know, but I also believe that it is possible. Unfortunately, I'm not giving up on that. When we keep our awareness alert, when we are aware what is happening, truly observe life as it is and take our illusions, our perceptions, the things that patterns that our parents or ex-generations have taught us and look at life from a beginner's mind, then we will see all these things are useless when you look at it. Like I always give this example in one of our circles, Anushka Ansari was there and they regard this for the um, astronaut. They say that this is the observer effect. When you see the earth from above, so you see the whole picture. And in the whole picture, we asked her, what did you see? And she said, I saw one. So how do we see that oneness without going up there and looking back here again and see that we're just little and running and working and doing stuff at the end of the day. But, you know, it's just one planet, one Earth and one human race. And Ida, you are part of a co-creation uh, of a book that we are writing together now in the forum. And in a mini essay that you're writing right now, I read this sentence, which I love. When you have more than you need, build a longer table, not a higher fence. And I know that paying it forward is one of your guiding principles in life. How did you come to that realization? I was in the ashram in Indian ashram doing my silence in very early ages. I would say in our generation around 20s being in an ashram was exceptional maybe. And I asked one of the teachers and she told me that, you know, when you have all these wonderful attributes that you were born into in life, that you're not after the survival mode, you're here to pay it forward. So at the end of the day, I see, unfortunately, many wealthy people who are seeking for more money 
oh, that person has that bag. I got to have that bag. I got to have another car, another house. So just the awareness that we already have enough and it's time to pay it forward to life. And I think the most amazing tool we have is the one that we all have equally, our voice. The words that we use, that we choose every day, how we want to refer to life. We can shift the mountains with words. Words are magic, I believe. That's the angle I try to bring into life, into awareness of people. Yes, money for sure. But building a bigger table only can happen by accepting everyone as they are and introducing them to your community, to your table, to your people. And then they expand as well. What would you say are, looking back, the main kind of transformational points in your life that have influenced you the most? I would say a couple. One of them would be the first one, I think, going to Los Angeles to study after university in Turkey. That opened my vision to different realities in the world. And also, no matter what, I grew up in Ankara, in the capital city of Turkey. And uh, I was born into a family that's from Black Sea region, so it's very patriarchal and Every step of yours is somehow known and tracked. So it was nice to be in a surrounding where nobody knew me, who I am, so that I can truly get to know who Eda possibly can be beyond those boundaries. That was the first one. The second one, I would say the Indian ashram story that I told you going into silences and absorbing myself. And that was the moment that I had a simple glimpse about myself that I want to hold. I want to be able to hold space where people enter And when they leave, they feel a little elevated and able to cope up with life. So that was my first experience. And uh, thyroid cancer is the next one where I shifted many stones in my life and redefined my relationship with work, with my ex-husband who became a wonderful brother in life to be right now. Everything, you know. But how did you get there? What was the journey that you went through in order to arrive to that point? Thank you for asking. As human beings, we go through these stages in life, right? We are born into a story, education, and then marriage, and then children, and hopefully get retired and die. That's the path that at least our generation was dictated to live. In the middle of that somewhere, I realized that my life was not going in the direction that I would like it to go. Especially, you know, like I had this ashram vision and that, you know, I want to hold space and all that stuff. And I found myself in a real estate development company. What did that have to do with the other one? So, um, yeah, when all these things started to shake, I started having panic attacks. I love my ex-husband as a brother and as a friend today, but our relationship was shaking up. And being in a patriarchal environment, I was suppressing my voice. Believe it or not, in Turkey, there's a lot of thyroid cancer or thyroid problems because it's a very patriarchal country itself. And We avoid voicing our truth to our elders, even to the government sometimes. So we regard hierarchy very um, important as a culture. And that's where my sickness also appeared. I had to voice my truth. And the moment that I went to my husband and said, this is not serving me. I mean, we need to change the terms of this relationship. He said, of course, you're going to thyroid cancer. Maybe you should just wait for the radiation to be done and over so that you can decide afterwards. Though in the essence of my soul, I knew that, you know, I am on a different path and it's going to evolve and change. During that time was the time that I also had a lunch with Marcus through a pay it forward initiative. Believe it or not, uh, life brings beauty from the concepts that you love and believe possibly. And he was talking about joint idea, what he is doing, what he wants to do. He has already found the joint idea. And I was so jealous thinking, you know, why is this guy doing the things that I want to do? 
So yeah, and after I started voicing that to my husband, I went to my work and said, you know, this is not serving me. I don't want to work here anymore. I want a different direction in my life. So I had the courage to voice my truth and thyroid is only voice. I have to get a radiation. They put you on a diet without salt for a couple of weeks. And then from the operation, I had a huge lump on my throat. So we had to wait it to go away. So it was a very hard time to deal with, let's put it that way. However, when I went to the hospital, I told my child who was 10 years old by then to Maya that I'll be gone for a couple of weeks. I'll be in a hotel and not seeing her. And all that readiness was ready in my life. I got in and the doctor came after the scan of my body. My mom is there. My husband is there. My uh, mother-in-law is there. And he said, pack your things. You're going home. There's nothing left in your body. The cancer is gone. So um, it was a wonderful realization that at the end of the day, our body is not getting sick for the sake of getting sick to harm us. It is there to warn us that there is something not working that you have to be doing. And mine was voicing my truth. So yeah, after that, my ex-husband also shook my hand very nicely and he understood and he didn't even question my decision ever again. And until after that, the whole relationship just evolved and became a beautiful big family that I live right now. Edda, thanks for sharing that. Ma, I got chills when you talked about this now. That's a true lesson. And I'm thinking all of the people around you who learned so much as well. That's a double gift if you want to see it like that. Thank you. And today I feel like I'm going through there again, like being involved with my family company, with my choice, with my expertise that I can add value to. I have been refrained to be involved too much for the last 20 years, let's say. So feeling that is also a new chapter in my life. And I'm curious how much I can contribute to what I can contribute. And where are you right now with that? Where do you want to contribute, given you know who you are today and everything that you've realized to your company? Because, I mean, it's a huge industry conglomerate. Uh, you have so many companies and so many brands and so many people involved. Where do you start and how do you try to kind of align what you think really is important to you and to the world around you so that you can kind of integrate that into your company? How do you approach it? I think if you're patient enough, your time comes. And um, like a couple of years ago, we decided to build our family constitution and make the family council active, which is still in process. It will happen hopefully, but the whole alignment of 10 cousins we are that will take over the story after the first generation. We're going to be the second generation. And that alignment process is very essential. And that's where I'm hoping that I'm contributing into holding sessions, aligning people, our perception, and then possibly we can start talking about where do we want this ship to sail? What is the new directions once we take over and we need to be aligned to have a common voice, to common perception of where we want to go. So that is one place. And again, I'm helping my sister build the sustainability department of the holding company. But the most important thing that I'm doing that I give value to, I think, is giving life like corporate journey to these corporates of ours. And I get to mingle with each employee, get to know them personally, and maybe break the barriers between the upper level and the lower level and have that integration going on. If we hear them and understand them, because they are the ones who's going to make the ship sail, we're just going to be guiding it, but they are the ones who's going to be applying it. So the growth of them, the alignment of them, like the public narrative we have done right now, we're going to do it with our 
uh, human resources teams of all the different companies, bringing them together in a one event and get to know each other personally so that they can move together in the future, not individual companies, but as a whole together. And those um, aspects that you were bringing out there, people getting to know each other, getting close so that they feel like they are a, at least a work kind of family altogether is extremely uh, important, but not so easy. But I guess it must be something that, that helps that you are actually part of the founding family in this process, because I find at least that it's much easier to find integrity in uh, companies that are owned by a family than, you know, listed companies, because it's a commitment that is really long-term and it must come from the backbone of the values of the company, of the family as well. And me being involved in each one of them and being with them and sharing my vulnerabilities, my stories and all that stuff, it brings a new perspective. So the, the ownership, the, the feeling of be belongingness to the company, I hope is deepening with this kind of approach, feeling that First of all, I'm not too much different than they are. I'm a one human being going through the hurdles of life and trying to understand life like they are. And secondly, we are in that journey with them. We are growing together. I'm not done. I am a human being like them, and we are all growing and trying to navigate and find our way in the very hard waters, Turkey especially, but generally the world that we're going through. Great, Ida. Thanks for sharing that. And what long-term solutions do you believe in business? Investing into the employee is the biggest long-term solution. I think education is the only thing that can change where we are going in the whole world right now. And the well-being of the employees, like Bob Chapman talks about, you know, compassionate leadership. That is the way to go. Conscious leadership is the new term that is coming up or transformational leadership. So each one of us are leaders. We should not be expecting the CEO, the CFO, or the head of the company to lead us to somewhere. First of all, we should encourage our employees to have the courage to voice their truth. What they see is not working and what is working and what to change. So if we give voice to them, the ones who are inside the company, rather than coming top down, a bottom up approach, a reverse mentoring approach maybe, that could bring a long-term solution because at the end of the day, we talk about sustainability and the head puts the goal and all that stuff. But unless the people in the company know sustainability in their lives, in their being, and apply that in their lives, they cannot apply that in their work life. So the educational part is very important. And I know that you work together with your uh, life partner, Marcus uh, Lecto, on growth programs through the LifeWorks Lab that you co-founded together. How does that work look like? We base it on exponential humanity term. It's based on that. In the technology, exponential technology era, we never talk about exponential humanity. To be able to cope up with it, we have to awaken our true human capabilities alive so that we shine more than the technology in a different way. And we regard those on three pillars, which is consciousness, which none of the technology will ever have. Only human beings have that. And connectivity, uh, through connectivity, uh, through human beings and human algorithm, the magic of that. And the last one is cultivating serendipity and being creativity. You know, these amazing people that we surround ourselves with through human algorithm, th through being very true to our essence, without our math, right people are drawn to us. So what do we do with those people? What kind of project? So lo Marcus loves to say, as you know well as well, love needs the project. So what wants to come alive through us 
is the essential question. And I think companies also need to go through those three phases so that when that human algorithm comes together, what is the story of we? What do we put out from this love and from this gathering? That's how we based our whole program onto the human essence of the story, not technical anything, but truly human. Life Works Lab. It's a great name as well. So if you assume, you know, all doors are open to you and all resources are available to you, is there anything in particular that you would just jump immediately and, and innovate or, or change? Education, I would change. Starting from, you know, primary school, kindergarten age, I would equip with children with more human skills rather than other skills that are being taught there. If a child learns how to meditate in early ages, I think life could be a lot different. And when, when we were going to pandemic, that was the only thing I was wishing the whole earth school come together and make a decision and instead of them, children sleeping in front of the computer and listening to math or chemistry or this or trying to, and the teachers trying to explain stuff that we hold space in other human values that can contribute to their well-being and understanding of themselves, which did not happen. So I would like to innovate that. And also what I'm very passionate about to see is the common unity concept that all these wonderful communities all around the world come together to collaborate together, have a one value system that we define among us, maybe, so that we can start shifting the term of money and what value is. So I would love to redefine what value is with a beautiful collaborative mind so that we can set a chain of new goodness in the world that people are willing to earn money or value in a different form. And if you could give one piece of advice to leaders right now, what would that be? It would be to listen. We are so much caught up in the narrative of our mind, of our reality, that we rarely listen to it, each other. First, listen to yourself. You know, listen to your body, what it's telling you, not your mind, but your gut feeling. To be able to hear the gut feeling, we have to quiet the mind, unfortunately because the mind is very loud and it just overshadows every other voice within our wonderful body. And also listen to each other because we also listen with the illusion in our minds, with the perception that we build in our minds and, and then don't hear what is being told. We just, you know, take in what we want to hear and then we say, you said that to me. No, it was not what it said. So maybe take Socratic dialogue classes, all of the leaders, for the sake of just being able to hold space with their employees where they can learn to listen to each other. And then I think many other things will follow that course after that. Because when you listen, you cannot be reactive. When you listen to the other, you will also understand that that person is also right within their perspective. Everybody is right. There is this beautiful Bemblana Sufism saying from Rumi is that Beyond right and wrong, there is a place. Let's meet there. So I would ask those leaders to meet there with each other and their employees so that the ships can sail beautifully into new direction. Yeah, it's a beautiful quote and so true. But then I've many times cooperated with so many different kind of leaders that one type comes up in my mind right now. And that is the one that is going to say, yeah, but still somebody needs to decide where the ship is going. It's like we can listen to everybody, but... I'm not saying listen to us where we should go, but listen to yourself to make that decision. Where are you making that decision from? Is it because it's only very profitable you're going to that direction because your mind can make it very valuable so that you can go to that direction, but your heart or your gut will not say yes to it. And then you will start to sacrifice 
from your integrity and your health and your well-being. If you would give advice to yourself, let's say 10, 15, whatever years ago, what would that be? First of all, don't stress too much. You're going to be where you need to be or you are already where you need to be. Just open your eyes and see in your evaluation journey what you need to see and grow because we get hooked up into so much little details and they become very harsh on ourselves and make life very hard for us. So I would just say flow and just trust that life will bring you the right people, right communities, right collaborations uh, once you are ready. So just flow and see where life takes you. I wouldn't force things like I try to, you know, fit into some jackets, I would say, that doesn't fit me and to try to wear them. And so I would just let it go and just enjoy life as it is and flow and just trust. Are you good at letting go? Which doesn't mean, of course, inactivity and inaction. It's just like do what you can and then really let go. I think I am. Yet again, I'm telling that I'm privileged. At the end of the day, uh, if I let go of something, say that I want to get this opportunity to work with a company and it doesn't go, I am not at the end of the day starving, not getting that money. So, you know, it's a very privileged position and I know that. However, yes, I do let go. I believe that, you know, there is, I wouldn't say destiny, but there is a divine timing. And when that timing is ready and happening, then it will happen. So I have just to trust that. So in that essence, I'm very happy to let go, but I'm a big organizer and a control freak in terms of, you know, making things work. That's a different thing. (laughs) What do you think is the most important thing for companies to focus on right now? Like Oren Lyons says, a wonderful corporate unplugged addition in our lives that, you know, seven generations from now, I would say, look at whatever you're doing today, whatever industry that you're operating today, if seven generations from now, you don't want people, your kids, your grandchildren to be doing that business, start thinking of ways to navigate that ship, that know-how so that it can serve in another way to humanity. Yes, at the end of the day today, we are earning money from some industries that we should not be serving to anymore. And I know the money is coming from there and I respect that because that's the reality that we live today. But is that the future that we want our kids or our grandchildren or their grandchildren to live in? Do we want them to live in a world where there is war? So, you know, we contribute to war through our industries, through our businesses in many different ways that we don't know. So maybe look into that and rethink. And I know it's a long process to make a timeline of that shift of that change. But if we don't do it right now, there is no earth that is left. And more than the earth, nobody cares. The earth doesn't care about us. It will go on as a rock if there is no life on. But there won't be humanity. So it's very in a very crucial moment to navigate those ships so that in 20, 30 years, we won't be sorry. I totally agree. But how do you go about doing that? You need inspiration to be able to do that and know that there are others, other companies all around the world who are doing it. And to be able to reach them, I think we need to surround ourselves with such crowds, such people, such tribes. And right now through technology, amazing, like Corporate Unplugged, we have seen each other more than I have seen many people in my life through every you know month getting together. There are amazing communities and groups and tribes that they can get into where they will hear inspirational stories. Because once we are on our own, we believe that it's not possible. But once we are 
more together. And we see there are many more examples in the world who are taking that courage to shift their ships and to be able to think for seven generations, at least take the initiative to do so. Then we also get that encouragement within ourselves to be able to do that. For that, I would advise to be included, not in big conferences like Davos, not that because they're bad, but like COP about sustainability and stuff, but smaller, more intimate, more so that they can shake hands and get to know each other so that they can hear these inspiring stories person to person, not as a TED talk, but more like a sharing. And then they can ask questions and find their way through that, I believe. Yeah, so this collective intelligence is incredibly important. But it's also important because I think sometimes, you know, there's, there's always challenges on these routes, especially if it's a courageous, you know, path you're taking. Then when you are a bit drained of energy and hope and all of that, you come back to that kind of collective, let's say, community, and then they can remind you of the vision that you actually are working for. So when you are weak and down, and it happens to all of us, that there is somebody who's going to not just pick you up, but actually embrace you and completely see you and understand you and mirror back to you what you needed to see or hear. That's really the fantastic force with that kind of, you know, relevant communities that are built on values more than groups uh, of people who are in the same positions is rather the diversity of those people, but that they are anchored in the same values. That's really uh, incredibly valuable. I just have one final question to you then, a tiny little one, and that's what do you think the world needs most at this time? I think the world always needed one thing and it still needs that, love. We need more love language especially in business life, if possible, this uh, fake distance languages, this is not, they're not serving us. We have to be more compassionate with each other and with the world itself. It needs more love and compassion and it's shouting out for it. That, and we, can, we see it every day. We hear it every day through news and everything. So yeah, let's break the barriers, have more love for the world and for ourselves so that we can make this world heaven, which it deserves to be. Super. Thank you so, so much, Eda. Thanks for being on the show and thanks for sharing everything from your heart. Such a pleasure. I've been looking forward to it and thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the show. To find out more, you will find links and show notes on corporateunplugged.com. To make it easy for you to find and listen to this show again, subscribe on your favorite podcast app. And please share this episode with one person you know would benefit from hearing it. Please rate and review this podcast if you enjoyed it. I'm Vesna Luca and you have been listening to Corporate Unplugged. Until next time, live with purpose and remember to unplug. Ciao.